Welcome to You'll Have That. It's a podcast about a lot of things, you know, all the normal stuff, school and death and chickens, still about all that stuff. Uh, oh man, I am, oh yeah, who am I? That is an excellent question. Uh, I am Emily Loveless, I'm your host, and I am a nearly 32-year-old woman who dropped out of high school when I was 17, had a baby, tried to go back to school off and on again for years, and I am back at it again more successfully than I've ever, you know, tried this before, so yay for me, but um, I'm feeling very overwhelmed with my life right now. It is just about finals, and I have a lot of homework due, a couple of essays to write, long ones, and some actual finals coming up next week, and uh, mental health check, anxiety, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, it's on the roof, it's dancing on the roof, oh yeah, that's my anxiety, so I'm trying to just chill out, and you know, I made a list, and I'll just check it off, and ugh, it's just a lot, and it's not just, it's not just that, it's um, my son's been sick for almost a week and a half now with something that was just awful, so... You know, nobody really got a lot of sleep, and he's on the mend, but uh, the house looks like garbage because I've just kind of been attending to him mostly and kind of doing what has to be done, but everything's in a heap, and now that it's sunny out, I have all these baby plants that need to go in the garden, and my yard still needs a lot of work, and it's like, oh my god, it's just like everything is bearing down on me right now, is what it seems, so... I'm just feeling a little, yeah, frustrated and overwhelmed by my life, but you know, I can do this. You can do what you're doing and I can do what I'm doing and this is just like a moment in time, right? We can get through it and we don't have to do it perfectly. I don't have to go whole hog and bust my ass making this house perfect or making my yard perfect or even getting perfect grades as long as I have a degree at the end of this that's what I want. I want to learn things too, and I am, but, you know, just because my dear, darling, wonderful, amazing husband was able to get a 4-0 and work full-time and be a father and husband, oh, Jesus, wow, he's, like, really set the bar very high. I love you. Um, I don't have to do the exact same thing, I guess. Oh, man, I should be able to. See, look, here it is. It's, like, the, the shame of any failure I experience and the disgust with myself if I am failing in any way, that's part of what kept me from actually going back to school in the first place for so long. Just like fear of failure. And that sounds so cliche and stupid, fear of failure, but it, this one's a cliche for a reason because it's much scarier to go in and not do well at something than to just not try to do it at all. And, you know, I mean, I've had some of that with my plants. I've I planted just a billion little baby plants and they did really well and they were coming up and then I killed many of them. I was even going to do a plant sale to help raise money for my tuition for, you know, summer and fall semesters. And I have enough plants that survive that I could sell some of them, but boy oh boy am I feeling like a garden failure, which, you know, every gardener 
I watch on YouTube or podcasts I listen to, yes, those are my two main sources of gardening information. Maybe that's why I suck at gardening. Oh, well, uh, they all say like, you know, of course you're going to fail. There's stuff outside of your control and you learn things and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'll tell you what, potting soil and potting mix are not the same thing. One will kill your baby plants. Guess which one I bought? That would be potting soil. So, yeah, lots of failure in my plant world right now. And it's just, I mean, we're supposed to love summer because it's happy and sunny and bright and you get to go outside and do things. And I do. I love that. But for a, you know, mentally ill person like me talking about my anxiety and depression, it can also be a time where I feel tremendous pressure to always be doing something fun. Like you must not waste this time. Remember how much winter sucks? Now you're in the opposite of winter and you have to do the opposite of what you did in winter. So, um... I don't know, it could be like, oh, come on, brain, are you never happy? You're not happy when it's summer, you're not happy when it's winter. No, I'm happier in the summer. It's just the yard. No, it's just all of those things I said. Okay, I'm rambling, but okay. I really thought I was sick yesterday. In fact, I thought that I was getting Solly's horrible virus twice during this time that he's been sick, and it has legitimately felt like it. Like I've had a sore throat and I felt run down. And then the next morning I'm fine. So that's hypochondria, not illness, but it's, a, it's terrible. It really feels like I'm sick. So anyway, there's another flip side of that whole anxiety, mental health thing. I think I might be dying. And, you know, my dear friend Veronica is so patient. She's like, oh my, well, I hope you get better soon. Wow, that's terrible. I'm sorry. And I know she's just waiting for the next day for me to say, I'm miraculously cured. And she won't rub it in my face and say, okay, you're a crazy person. But she knows. She knows what's happening and I know what's happening. So thank you to all of you out there who hear my um, horrible sick person and anxiety person rambles and go, oh, okay. <laughs> I love you anyway. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I really need that. I know I'm crazy. I just, uh, you know, it's nice to have people who will indulge me until I realize I was um, indulging, not indulging, or experiencing some kind of anxiety issue, like hypochondria. So, oh boy, let's see. Anything else that's going on right now? Um, well, I, I registered for summer and fall semesters, and fall is when... Solomon, my son, starts kindergarten. He'll be five next month. So he'll be in school every day, which means that if I wanted to, I could go to school and not just go to school on my phone or school on my computer. I could go to real school. And those were options. I mean, I register as soon as I can. Like as soon as that window opens, I'm in there and I get the classes I want. I mean, I am now after being stuck with not exactly what I wanted because I registered super late after he almost died. Oh, there's death. Um, this winter, you know, now I'm like, okay, I am on it. I get the classes I want. And so I had my list and I just couldn't pull the trigger on actually going to class. Um, we talk about it a lot in this interview that I have for you today with my stepdad, Gary, Dr. Gary Dorr, who um, is, was, spent his career teaching teachers how to teach at Weber State. He's just awesome and he has so much good information, but even 
having that information, I still couldn't pull the trigger on actually going to class. I still have this idea that I'm going to be just like the weird old lady. And I'm like, I'm almost 32. Like I'm not old, but man, I sure feel like I would be on the outside. And especially because I want to do two classes. I, there are two classes that I was really looking forward to that I didn't end up registering for. Um, one is just the, the Salt Lake Community College radio station. It teaches you kind of about producing a show, I think, which is a lot like podcasting. And I thought maybe that would make me a better podcaster, make me better at my craft. And that is in person. And I thought, okay, everybody else who registers for this is going to be in touch. They've got their fingers on the pulse, man. They can't even touch anything else because they're so in touch with their fingers on the pulse. And I'm like, I like iron and wine. Oh, great. Wow. Is it like 2009? Good for you. (laughs) Like, yeah, uh, I don't know about a lot of cool new stuff anymore, but that's, I think, I don't know. It's, it wouldn't matter. I need to go and learn those skills. I need to be in that classroom. I want to be in that classroom. I wanted to take an intro acting class as my fine arts credit because I have loved theater all of my life. I love seeing shows. I love being in shows. We, I mean, my, my sister-in-law, sister-in-law and I had this little like drama group that we got together for about a year and it was really fun to just go and like do silly improv together and you know improv games and little scenes and stuff it was really fun I loved that and I was really looking forward to taking this class but I ended up just taking like a basic you know art for non-art majors class instead which is online and I don't get to learn any acting skills I don't get to play play in the space with them and that is absolutely because I was afraid so that's something I'm going to work on for spring semester not being afraid to just go jump in and be in it and be part of it because having classes online is being in school and it will get you the credit but it does very much feel like I still have some kind of wall up some kind of distance and Like, I'm not putting myself all the way into the situation I want to be in by not registering for any any classes in class. And I also wanted to stay online a little bit, maybe because I want the flexibility while my kids are still in school and blah, blah, blah. But I do want to take those classes, so damn it, I should have registered. Maybe that is what I will do in spring. Maybe I will, I'll just do that in spring. I don't know. Wish me luck. (laughs) And I wish you luck. Do it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Happy warm weather, guys. It is now officially the season where I have to look at my body again because I'm unwrapping it from its winter bindings. Oh, that's what my legs look like, huh? Wow, man, I I imagine them differently after not seeing them for months. Oh, boy. Okay, well, uh, I either have to just, like, wear long sleeves and pants all summer or I have to get used to what my body looks like. Wow, those are some legs, human. Way to go. Uh, So happy good weather to you. Here comes my interview with my um, great stepdad, Gary Dorr, after the break. And uh, I'll be back with you after, and we'll catch up on some show news. Okay. All right. Welcome to today's interview with my stepdad, 
Dr. Gary Dorr, doctor of teaching teachers, cool guy. Some people who are his children can call him Dr. Dad. If you're not, you can't use that. Mainly that's just me, I think. I think my sister just probably call you Dad. <laughs> Pretty much. But I like that, the formality. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like Victorian, you know, like Doctor Father. <laughs> yes. Well, welcome to you have that. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for being here. It's so nice of you to let me interview you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Why am I interviewing you today? Teacher of teachers. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a teacher. You were a teacher. You're retired I, I, I now. was a teacher. I taught for 42 years. And I taught other teachers for 27 of those years. What did you do for the first 15? Is that right? Yeah. Um, I taught high school for 11 years. And then the rest of the time I was, I was in school, grad school. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. Yeah. What made you want to make that change? <clears throat> well, when I was teaching, I loved teaching. I never d did want to stop teaching when I was teaching high school, and I loved that age. But I came to a point where I really felt like I needed to know more about what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And the, the local university, I'd taken all the courses there that I could, that I thought would be useful. And I already had a master's degree, and so I figured I would go get a doctor's degree and learn more about how to teach. That's cool. It was. It turned out to be a, a good move. You're really a high-level nerd about teaching. <laughs> I'd say nerd, yeah. That, yeah. that fits. <laughs> it's a fascinating subject for me. It's an important one. Yeah. Well, your legacy is prodigious everywhere we go there's like somebody who knows you right there are a few people around yeah yeah hannah's english teacher you taught him mr g right shout out mr g all right good yeah. teacher good teacher yeah. well i'm wondering if in your teaching career in universities well you just taught at weaver right 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 and Weber State is in Ogden, Utah, and it's kind of, now it bills itself as being really friendly to non-traditional students, and it has for at least 10, 15 years. Has it been like that the whole time you taught there? Yeah, it was always there that way, I, I, which I love because it's nice having a mixture of older people, younger people yeah. uh, in, in a classroom. Every, everyone does better, I think. Has that mixture changed much, like from the beginning of your career there to the end of it? Were there, do you think there were more people coming back, or has that stayed? I think it was pretty steady. Really? Yeah. Um, there may be more more people coming back, but um, as a proportion of the whole, I think it's it was pretty close to the same. Interesting. This is this seems to be Utah seems to be a place where um, it's comfortable for people to come back to school at an older age, and I applaud that. I think that's really great that, yeah. that that people are comfortable doing that and that the university makes people comfortable. Yeah, I like that. <clears throat> I think there are schools that it's hard to do that uh, just because they are youth-oriented and, and um, scheduled in a way that makes it difficult for people. 
Yeah, absolutely. Just scheduling is a major issue. If you have to work or take care of your kids or something, and you literally can't be in class, you can't go back to school, right? Right. So you have to have night classes and online and all this combination. That's interesting that it hasn't changed much because I think there's this perception that for years and years, everyone just kind of picked a career and stayed the course until retirement. But maybe that's not really in that now people change careers more often, but maybe that's not true. Or maybe it's unique in Utah because we have a lot of like stay-at-home parents who go back after their kids are a little older or whatever. I think that's probably true. I think there were a lot, I had a lot of um, students who were stay-at-home mothers and as soon as their kids got old enough, they then decided to go back to school. That's interesting. Yeah. Were there more women or men coming back, do you think? Um, I think, I think, I don't have any statistics for that, but my sense is probably more women. Hmm. But that may be changing, too. I think that there are... Um, one thing that, that may be shifting is that men are more willing to change careers. And so the the men that we got, I think, tended to be people that were in a career and decided to do something different hmm. or to... To, to do something they were more passionate about or more interested in. Are there Were there more men coming into teaching English for your career later on? Because it seems like there were a, it was kind of a female-dominated area when I was growing up. I had a lot of female teachers and not as many men. Oh, I think that's true of teaching in general, and especially English. But I, I think that um, in, in our culture, men are... Um, feel somewhat pressured to get a career in which they can, by which they can support a family. Oh, yeah. And I think for a long time, teaching has not been seen that way. And it still isn't, to a certain extent. And so a lot of the guys that were coming back were people that, that chose a career in which they thought they could make really good money and and um support a family and then when they got into that career they either found it was a, a dead-end career they really couldn't do the the movement that they thought they could or they found that it was just lifeless to them and and was kind of soul stealing and so they decided to come back and and teach and see what that meant financially and and that's that was a real challenge for people it still is oh yeah i bet (coughs) i'd like to see numbers on how many people graduate with like with an undergrad in one area and then never work in that area because i seem to hear this a lot that people will get a degree here and then their career isn't like our friend steve i think he has a degree in criminal justice but then he works in insurance you know like i think there's a lot of that and i think some people see that as bad i personally don't see that as a problem i i really think that that whatever you whatever you learn i mean there's a lot of things that in college i learned that was outside my field but i see it impact my thinking and my way of thinking all the time so for example taking a chemistry class as as an undergraduate really introduced me to the scientific method which is another way of approaching problems and and that sort of thing so it's, it's always beneficial, even if it's not in the field that you thought you were going to choose. That makes sense. I mean, that's the purpose of the general education courses, right, is to give you 
a broad education before right. you specialize. Theoretically, yeah. Theoretically, yeah. 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 That's very interesting. Bill Nye was talking about that yesterday, mm -hmm. that he doesn't really, that he likes STEM, he likes science, tech, um, engineering, and math, right? Like, yes, let's get kids interested in this. But all, but then we keep adding this, we keep changing this acronym to STEAM and then whatever, and he's like, let's just make it school. Like, let's have everybody try and get interested in everything at least a little bit so you have a nice broad level of education and you have some information about a lot of different things before right. you go in and pick one area to focus on that you're passionate about. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a, a really good point. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, quotes from one of my favorite authors, a guy by the name of John McPhee, what he said was <clears throat> that anything given en enough consideration is interesting. And, and I've tried to tell that to my students over the years when they said, oh, this is boring, that you just need to look at it more because there's something interesting in there. And I think that's, that's something that we, we lose when we say everyone should go into STEM without the broadness of knowledge that comes with studying literature and art and music and all those kinds of things add to that, add to the processes and the thinking that you do as a scientist or as a teacher or as a doctor or whatever you're using those skills for. Absolutely. And the other way around, if you're going into, you know, English or history or whatever, you should also be taking these foundational courses in science and math because like the building blocks of the exactly. world around you. If, if you, you need don't to know all of it. Right. If you don't understand those, you don't understand the novel you just read. Exactly. This is amazing to me because as I'm just taking this history class and this uh, physical geography class, the world is opening up and making more sense in ways that it hasn't before to me. Which is what education should be. Exactly. It's really exciting and yeah. hard, <laughs> but <laughs> exciting. Yeah, that's interesting. So what kind of mix have you seen of traditional and non-traditional students at Weber. Weber, again, is kind of a special case because it's really accessible for non-traditional students, but have there been more young people than older people, or? Well, I think percentage-wise, uh, it, it's, it's quite a bit more young people because they take the, that traditional route of just leaving high school, which, which I would not say is the best thing for everyone to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think you have to have a sense of yourself in the world and, and, and a direction to be going before you start making those commitments. Although you can get some of that from, especially from gen ed classes, which is another purpose for the gen ed classes. But I, I would say, you know, the, the percentage of, of uh, non-trads are probably 20 or so percent. Okay. Um, and most of most of the others are are in that traditional route through college. Twenty percent—that's the good chunk, though. I think there's this idea as a non-traditional student going back that like you're going to be like the old person, right? Yeah. And you're going to feel like you know the sore thumb. It's going to be really, but you're not. But that actually works for everyone because what what I saw is that. I loved having that mixture in my class because the non-trads come in with exactly that sort of thing and think, oh, these guys are young and they have energy and they're going to be smarter than mm -hmm. me. And so that makes them kind of pump their work up a little bit. Oh. 
And then the young people look at the older ones and go, oh, they're so experienced and they're going to come in with all this knowledge and, and dedicated and stuff. And so I'm going to have to compete with that. And it, it, it moves everyone up the, the scale, I think. That's interesting. Yeah. That's a good dynamic. You don't get it that is. with in an it, online it, class because right. you don't see how old everybody is until you start doing the lame discussions. And yeah. some people you see, oh, that person's older. But you don't see them, so there's no... Right. It doesn't really help you, I right. think, right? Yeah. Nobody knows that I'm old, you know? <laughs> They're just like, oh, Emily Loveless, what a blowhard, you know? <laughs> Do you think, okay, well, I was going to ask you a difference in those types, but you already addressed that. Like, it makes everybody work a little harder. I think so. Um, do you think it's more difficult to get a teaching job when you're a little older? Because in some fields, you really... It's geared toward younger people, and it's hard to break in. I think in a lot of, like, business areas, you right. see that in sales and stuff. But what about teaching? If you want to go back and be a teacher, but you're 45. I really think that's, that people see that almost as an advantage. Because mm -hmm. you bring some world wisdom with you. Uh, and, and, and there's a separation. There's more of a... Of a age separation between you and your students and I think administrators tend to value that somewhat now whether or not it's legitimate to value that or not but I think it is and and I think presently you know teaching jobs are not that difficult to get because there's a real shortage of teachers everywhere in the United States and yeah. so so I don't think um, I don't think that's a disadvantage and I, I don't think it has been um, my students across the board have had a fairly equal um, chance of, of getting jobs. And that. Okay. What does it look like if you are, you know, 30s, 40s, whatever, however old, and you already have an undergrad in one area, you want to come back and be a teacher, do you have to go through and get a master's, do you need to get another bachelor's, what is it, what's that process like? Well, there are actually several routes you can go. Um, if you if you already have a degree, you can go through the education part, and that would mean depending on the discipline. And I know English specifically, but um, that would mean going through the education courses. And most disciplines have a pedagogical course for that discipline. So, in in English, we had like three courses that you would have to take. You know. So you're probably talking about another year of classes and then maybe a semester of student teaching. Roughly, that would vary. But, you know, there are programs like, for example, the, the, the English program at Weber State. If you have an English degree, you can go right into their master's program and get certified as you're getting your master's also. Oh, okay. Um, so there are different programs like that. And, it, and again, it varies from state to state. So, for example, there are some states that you have to get a master's degree to start teaching, period. Oh. So as an undergraduate, you can't teach. Um, I think those may be changing because, again, attracting people to that profession with a master's degree um, makes some assumptions about what you pay people and and, yeah. and states can't do that right now so yeah it's expensive it is it is 
But again, I think you get what you pay for sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Education seems to be a pretty important foundational, you know, building block for our society. So it should definitely be treated that way and given more importance and more funding and all of this, right? Not that you I'm prejudiced smart in any way, right? Yeah, not that you're prejudiced. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I always thought that, you know, the the better you fund schools, that really changes the way people look at the world and it changes the impact that they can have on the world. And, you know, as you're educating people, you're educating, you're creating your future yeah. almost directly. And so I, I've always wondered at people that didn't want to pay for schools, but that's, why that's me. <laughs> yeah. That's why I like, you know, states teaching creationism and stuff makes me crazy. Yeah. Cause like, where is science? We need science. We need some science up in this. We can have religion on Sundays or at home, but we need to teach both sides because you're this is a, a large group of people you're educating in just one area right. and saying this is the way. Well, and again, I think I think it's important to look at this is why it's important what we were talking about before of understanding processes that different disciplines use in in thinking and solving problems. Because if you look at that issue, for example, creationism versus um, um, evolution, evolution or, or, or whatever way you want to look at it, if you don't give people um, knowledge of those things, but then also a way to process that for themselves to, to, to make decisions about it, then you've made those things kind of mystical and magic and and they can't make good decisions about it. Sure. I believe really firmly that the more you can shine light on things and give people processes to 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 think about those things, the more good decisions people are gonna make about their lives. You need to teach people about how to think critically and right. sort through because there's not going to be a teacher holding your hand saying all these conspiracy theories are dumb. Right. Right. They have to be able to see for themselves. But right. also you're not saying we should teach creationism at the same level as evolution, right? Giving them both equal merit. No, no. Oh, I, good. I, I okay. think I want to just make that clear for the I listeners. think what you do have to do is talk about these are some ideas that exist. Okay. And I, I think it's pretty clear that evolution is is a scientific fact. Yeah, as much as there can be one, yes. And, and so you don't question that. But you can also say there are other people that have different ideas about it, and this is the way that we can think about that. These are the kinds of questions we can ask to determine exactly. validity and truth. Right. And we don't have to say those people are wrong. Or dumb or anything. Right. We can just say. What we say is these are some processes that, that some ways to think about it, that allows you to make that decision because not everyone that believes in evolution has the same ideas about the existence of the God. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you don't want to say know. everyone who's religious is a dumb creationist or something, right? Right. You say this one idea. This, right, is, yeah. this is one approach to it. And you need to develop your own ideas and your own approaches to it yeah. without pressure from everybody else about what to think. Oh, yeah. This is interesting. <clears throat> This is what I'm learning in my history class, too, is he's really talking a lot about the facts and the dates and whatever, but he's really asking these questions of, like, 
when you look at the formation of this empire, how do you, what similarities do you see in this other part of the world at this other time? Like, what are the, what are the similar aspects and, you know, he's not saying this is what you can conclude about human nature and leadership and whatever, but he's just saying like, I don't know. What are the forces? Like, what are the similarities? What, you know, how can we use this information in the future? It's kind of, it's really interesting. Which really makes history, that's what makes it interesting is to see. Exactly. Abraham Lincoln Lincoln was actually facing a, a, a lot of the same issues that we are now. And to see how he thought about that is is useful. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, So back to the practicalities of actually being a non-traditional student. So, like, I think the two biggest roadblocks isn't the right word, but, like, difficulties maybe. Speed bumps. Speed bumps, sure, (laughs) are like, what do I do with these kids? And, um, oh, yeah, I have to, like, eat and live and stuff while I'm in school, right? I don't have a parent who can... Although, our friend Thomas, in a different interview, he does live with his parents with his family right now. So, if that's an option, that's a perfectly decent one. But have you ever had, like, a student bring their kid into class with them? Like, I, I babysitter failed, school's out, whatever. Sure. And what is that like, having a kid in class? Well, I, I think... Um... I think it's important to remember that those people that decide to go to class are deciding that because they want to they want to improve their education, their thinking, their lives and that sort of thing. And and as an individual, I look at that and I say one that really needs to be respected because it's something that I value a great deal. And if they can if they have to bring their child to class to overcome an obstacle, as long as that's not taking away from anyone else in the class, I don't have a lot of problem with it. I don't think it should be there on a daily basis, but yeah. you know, in an emergency, that's that's no issue. And and I, secondly, I have to remember that every one of these students that gets educated and adds to the culture of which I'm a part adds to my life. Uh, and adds to the quality of my life too, and mm-hmm. so the more that you put obstacles in that way or are are rigid, it, it's self defeating in a lot of ways. Oh, absolutely. How would you? I mean, say you you have a professor who's a little less compassionate and open about that situation. Do you have any tips for a student in that position? Just this one emergency day, I've got this kid who's not a baby, isn't going to scream, whatever, and plug him into a screen and they'll be quiet in this corner. Approaching that teacher and saying, I'm just this one day I have to do this in a way that's going to not make a man, I guess. I guess what I would suggest is that the biggest thing you need to do as a student, just in general, is create a relationship with that teacher Hmm. so that the teacher knows that you're serious that what you're doing is important, that what they're doing in the class, with the class and helping you is, is appreciated. And once they see that in you, they're gonna be much more likely to listen to those kinds of issues. That makes sense. So if someone comes to me and, you know, they've been, they've really participated in class and I can tell they're really working hard and it's important to them and that they're getting their work in and, and in generally just, they're serious about what they're doing, and they come in and say, I've got an emergency, I, I really can't, my babysitter isn't 
working today and so I need to bring my... I'm much more likely to listen to that and say, well, sure, why not? Than if someone that's that doesn't take the class seriously comes in and, and asks the same thing. So that makes sense. you kind of prepare for those things so that when the event happens, there's that relationship already created. And it's a trusting relationship. Well, that's the key relationship, right? You can't go to, like, you know, some crazy in-law you don't know and haven't had a relationship with and say, can I borrow 500 bucks, right? right. Like Exactly. It's the same, yeah. same sort of thing. That makes sense. Um, do you feel like you end up making more exceptions for non-traditional students based on work or kids or anything? Exceptions is an interesting topic. Um, or even getting asked to make more? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, in terms of, uh, of exceptions, I don't, I don't think there's a higher percentage. Um, but again, if, if the teacher knows what, if the teacher's clear about what needs to happen in the class, in both his or her own mind and with the student, then those exceptions can be negotiated in a way where it makes sense for everyone. If you don't know what you're doing as a teacher, then you don't know how, what you can make exceptions for and what you can. It becomes arbitrary. So everyone in there has to be clear about what's going on. And I think, you know, non-traditional students tend to be probably a little bit better at that. Yeah, I mean, because they've had to be out in the world and And, and communicate in these ways before, right? Frontal lobes fully developed Uh and so on and so on. There's that, yeah. And they're used to negotiating the realities of things. That makes sense. That can be a real benefit. yeah. Absolutely. A, a huge benefit, I think, sometimes. Well, um, let's see. We're kind of getting to the end of the time we've got here. But one last question. What what should a non-traditional student look for in terms of, like, um, not campus benefits, but just, like, benefits in the university or tools that a university might have that can help them specifically as they're going back to school or in the school process. Like a lot of schools have uh, a childcare school that will, you can apply to have your kid actually be on campus and daycare with you. I, I think there's that. I think also that y- you really, the, the temptation I think is I've got a family a lot of times. I have really strict um, restraints on my time yeah. and, and that sort of thing and and you have to make judgments about your time very judiciously having said that i would urge non-traditional students to get involved on campus as much as they can possibly afford to okay and and the reason i say that is is because a, a lot of times it's those relationships with other students that serve you in the long run and that you learn from and i know austin did that with some organizations on campus and got yeah, involved, and that really served him well. Uh, plus, you know, get to know the, the professors, and it's those it's those campus organizations that really kind of lead you into a career that give you a, a real boost up. If if you come to me and ask me for a recommendation, <clears throat> and you've been working on me with me on three or four projects. I can be really specific in that recommendation and I can say they have this talent and they showed it this way and so on. An employer reads that 
and that's a, a recommendation that makes sense. If, yeah, I, okay. if all I can say is, well, they were really good students, and I can't get more specific, then the employer says, well, they say that about every student. Right. This is too general. Right? So, so getting involved, I think, is the biggest biggest part of that. So those, those extracurricular organizations, professional organizations, things like that. If you can do that, it's big. It's a big deal. That makes sense. It's all about relationships, I guess. Yeah, it is. Okay. Well, thanks so much for talking to me here sure. today. This I has been it. great. I love you. You I know a lot. You're awesome. <laughs> thanks. Well, uh, if you guys have any follow-up questions for Dr. Doerr, you can send those to you'll have that podcast at gmail.com, and I just might be able to get him to answer them. Oh, cool. All right. Thanks for listening. Isn't he a rad dude? Thanks so much for coming on my podcast, Gary. Um, it really meant a lot to me, and it was nice to see you guys here in Utah, my parents, my mom and stepdad. I have so many parents. Some of my parents live in Oregon, so it was nice. They were driving on through to see some other family and came back, and yeah, it was really good to talk to you about that stuff. Um, thank you, Gary. If you guys have any follow-up questions, really do email me, and I will I will talk to him, and maybe we can get him back on the show. Um, I guess that's all for this week, pretty much. Uh, I have a series coming up that will break down every step of how do you go back to school once you've decided you want to. Um, I'll be breaking down everything, like how to get your, you know, any high school transcripts, uh, if you don't have a degree what the GED process looks like, even just like what it, you know, what should you be looking at when you're thinking about registration, things like scholarship dates, we'll talk about everything. So I need and want and would love your input on that and any questions you have, anything you would like me to specifically address. Uh, again, the email address is you'll have that podcast at gmail.com you'll have that podcast at gmail.com i uh, i'm also now <laughs> joining all of you in 2019 i am on instagram i think it's at you'll have that podcast i've talked a lot about chickens on there which i haven't talked much about them this week here so hey there's the chickens part of the, the pod um yeah, just kind of some interesting updates, a really weird slow-mo picture of my dog licking my pants, which I can't stop watching, like, the underside of her tongue. It's so fleshy. Ah, uh, okay, Instagram. And follow me there, because I'll be posting, you know, I thought about it instead of doing what I was originally going to do and, um, selling any plants I had left over, I will be rewarding local listeners with extra plants as I have them available. I'm growing a lot of things, growing a lot of weird melons and cucumbers. And as bad as I made it sound, so many of my plants survived. I still have like 40 tomato plants or something. So I've got, and, and I, we grow all weird heirloom varieties, you know, open pollinated. I don't care about GMOs, but they're not GMO, but it would be fine if they were to me. But if you care, they're non-GMO. So the way to enter this giveaway is to do two things. To find me on Instagram at you'll have that podcast and follow my page 
and tag a friend, I'm going to post uh, the giveaway whatever thing. And so tag a friend on that page. Listen to this podcast. I know it's so cheesy to do it this way, but guys, there's so many people who need to hear this podcast who haven't heard it yet and you could help them. Another way to help people who need to hear this podcast and haven't heard it yet is to go on iTunes and subscribe to the show and leave a review um, because that helps tremendously. That gets us pushed up the iTunes charts so we're more accessible and so more people can see what's happening here. Um, I want you to be on the show if you think you want to be on the show. I am interested in hearing from anybody who thinks they have relevant experience. Um, I also am thinking about doing a job shadowing series so those of us who don't have a degree but would need a degree to go into our desired field can hear a little bit of something about those jobs before starting those degrees because that's absolutely part of the terrifying you know reason mountain of reasons just not to even try to go back to school is I don't know what degree I want right like well man yeah so if you, if you um, are in a funky cool job or even just a cool regular one, hit me up. I want to talk to you. Um, I guess that's it. Again, you can find the podcast on Patreon. I still don't know exactly what I'm doing there, but, you know, you could support it. You can support the show on Anchor if you like what you hear. Um, I'll also be selling ad space. If you have an ad for a business, a podcast, your art, upcoming events, or you just, you know, just have something to say or like man like don't make a place for your manifesto like you can't buy that much ad space and also you know like we're not going to do any kind of weird like bunker in the hills kind of like this is what the world is coming to situation but uh, there are a lot of other kinds of ads you could pay for so email me you'll have that podcast at gmail.com ad space starts at just five bucks so I will talk to you guys next week. I had a nice, just wonderful chat with my mom while she was here. And we talked about her experience and kind of my experience with her being in school. And um, she, oh man, my mom is so cool and smart, you guys. You need to listen to this and hear what she has to say because I just, I love her. She has a lot of good stuff to say. All right, I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.